0: meta-friendship, and then you had to try and market them so that they'll sell. Um, And as you go on through the game, Um, you realise that her work's really good. Uh, And she suggested, like, the idea that if you wrap something in fiction, then it becomes like a fireproof container, that bad bad tempers can eat grass, and that we've been keeping imprisoned for millennia at this point. They actually had the answer all along, but...
1: and welcome to another episode of the convoluted podcast it's your host jesus aka tyrant dominus and today i have a special guest who i actually reached out uh to be able to talk with them we've had a little bit of rough communication back and forth but you know we're finally here Uh, (laughs) go ahead and introduce yourself
0: Hi uh so I'm James Patton I am the developer who made Spinortality which is a cyberpunk management sim and it seems I am cursed with uh, getting the wrong time for podcasts so there we go
1: <laughs> No no you're fine you're fine it's um it happens scheduling is 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 it's rough when we're doing international so any hmm. listener yeah uh, and listeners uh like we are literally talking from the Pacific Standard Time to Central European Time, if I'm correct?
0: I know, the, the magic of the internet, but at the same time, it comes with its own challenges.
1: Exactly. So uh, we're, we're doing our best for you listeners to <laughs> listen to, uh, uh, to us, basically. Um, so the reason I reached out um, is a couple weeks ago on another podcast uh another one that i'm a host on the the savepoint podcast uh one of the one of our other hosts uh steve dominguez he was able to play your game and talk about it and i got i got a chance to watch him play it and and i got like uh, oh how do you pronounce the name of the game again
0: Uh, the the name is spinortality Spin it's a mentality. mix between spin, as in like marketing, spinning a product, and immortality, which is like the ultimate goal of the game. The idea is that you have to kind of research cutting-edge biological mind transfer technology, and then by the end of the game, you can, uh, you can transfer yourself into a new body and then keep doing that forever. So the idea is that by Sounds the end like of the game, the, the-, the world will be ruled by these kind of immortal, you know, CEO overlords.
1: Sounds like our future anytime soon, oh yeah, <laughs> but no no yeah it's um it's a uh, like when when he talked about it and I got a chance to take a peek into it is like that what that looks fun that that's really up my alley it's one of these uh resource time management games that i really like I really like those <laughs> like I, I know people. <laughs> People out there want the, the this these action packs, shooters, all that. No, you know, I for me, I I enjoy these types of games, and I'm I'm glad that the, there are still people creating them. So uh, thank you for that.
0: You're very welcome.
1: So um c- uh, for for to start out, can you talk a little bit more about your game? Yes.
0: Yeah, so um I kind of started out by thinking um. I thought that cyberpunk was a really interesting notion because I, I heard about the cyberpunk game jam and I started reading cyberpunk books and I thought, okay, cyberpunk is kind of interesting because it's um, like a take on the on kind of the confusing systems of the real world. So all of the kind of media systems and all of the economic systems and the political systems that we kind of have to live by today are kind of turned up a notch in cyberpunk. Um, in order to kind of see where they might go, or to kind of to look at the underlying problems in them, so in in Mortality, you kind of you are looking at a future that looks very similar to the world now, just sort of turned up a few notches. So you start out by um, controlling this company, you're kind of handed this brand new this brand new company, and you start by having to research kind of fairly unobtrusive. Kind of tech products like social media or meta friendship, um, and then you had to try and market them so that they'll sell. Um, and as you go on through the game, you realize that you have to target different uh, different cultures with different marketing slogans because uh, these products are all terrible. So the the only way that you can they kind of erode your privacy or they make your life you know considerably worse. But if you can spin them right with the right marketing angles, then. People are going to buy them. Um, and so as you go on through the game, you had to, to discover these marketing angles. Uh, some of these products are so horrific that they're illegal in a lot of countries. Um, and so you then have to, to bribe politicians to deregulate those industries. Um, and then by the end of the game, um, you'll have kind of warped the entire sort of media and political system to your will. And it's about sort of dominating the globe. Um, one kind of a technological leap from the from another, and then by the end, of course, you'll you'll become immortal.
1: Okay, so listen to that kind of the overall premise. Whoa. Uh, the <laughs> the overall premise is really scary because it's somewhat so realistic that it can happen. Um, <clears throat> but that that's what makes this game really interesting. Just the 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 plot that is within that, like that mm-hmm. that gives me like the jitters like oh god but it makes me want to do it too (laughs) it makes me want to do it so Mm -hmm. that is amazing and uh, yeah yeah, that's kind of
0: why i made the game i it it is definitely set in a fictional future but it is so close to like my own worries about the present that it, it feels kind of weird it felt kind of weird designing it i basically sort of dumped all of my anxieties about you know the next decade or so into this game
1: Oh really? Wow. Okay, that that gives me a little bit more thought when playing into this game. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about you. So what what got you into game development?
0: Um. Well, I mean, I always loved games. Uh. When I I think I made my first game when I was about eight or so using a program that was not designed for it. Um. So I, I was always sort of mucking around with, with these programs, and then I sort of learned how to code eventually. Um, and it, I, I kind of I always had this, this background as being a little bit of a, a hobbyist, a bit of a tinkerer, because I was making small games all throughout high school uh, just in my spare time, because I thought it was fun, and I thought games were interesting, and, and I sort of had ideas about the kind of games that I wanted to play. Um, and then I did a but but I actually thought that I wanted to become a writer um uh, that was my kind of you know my distant goal and then I'd studied uh literature for three years, and at the end of that I was like uh, no i i don't I've had enough of books. I don't really want to be a writer anymore um and one part of that was because I was just sort of sick of them by that point um but a, another part of it was that I couldn't see how um how books could be pushed forward in an interesting way i knew that there were people who would write good books and they would be readable but i couldn't imagine how like to push the medium forward but with games they were kind of still in their infancy um that they're kind of growing up a bit now and it's a very exciting time to be to be sort of in them so i kind of decided that i would focus on games because i could come up with ideas or sort of designs that were unusual and that sort of pushed the the medium of games in a direction that people hadn't like maybe hadn't quite considered or hadn't seen done in quite that way. So I guess spinotality is my first kind of attempt to, to kind of go in that direction um, yeah. in that it's a game that is kind of inspired by the real world and is meant to kind of inform people about it while they're playing, but it's also a kind of a fun cyberpunk power fantasy at the same time
1: Okay so yeah that's that's amazing but like <laughs> what what's interesting is that uh, you you come from a, a, a literal literal no not literal. Literature, uh, literary. Literary. <laughs> literary. There you go. Thank you. It's still early for me, guys. Anyone, if anyone's listening, I, I it's five a.m. for me in the morning as I'm doing this interview. So, uh, forgive I'm so me. sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I have my cup of coffee. I'm waking up. You know, I'm, I'm pretty peppy for being five a.m. But you know, I do it for for my guests and for the audience, you know, that's all for you guys. But <laughs> thank you so much.
0: I, I really appreciate it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, uh, you come from a literally now, God dang it. Words. Words, they escape me. You 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 come from a very interesting
0: <laughs> <From> a... <laughs> Let's go with that. Go Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, you know I, what I'm I, I did the books. <laughs> I read the books and then I essayed about the books. <laughs> uh,
1: every, by this time, everyone knows what I'm talking about. But you have a—you come from a very interesting background to go into uh, something that you already been, have some passion in. And just from just from looking at this game and what we've been talking, I can I can feel that there is like this narrative inside uh, Spin Mortality, and uh, even though it's not like. It's kind of in your face, but you can kind of like subculture yourself into there, and it kind of creeps people out. And I like that 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 what's the the best way to put it? This really like undertone thing that you are the the person doing this to the world, and Mm -hmm. now that kind of makes me wonder. Ah, now that still gives me chills.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I um. Because I, I think there's a bunch of games where um, it's like there's kind of a twist at the end and it turns out, oh, my God, you were the bad guy all along. Gotcha. Um, and I didn't want to do that kind of game because I think that the, those were interesting and it was, it was important that we kind of got there. Um, a, a really good example of this is Train. By, I think it's by Brenda Romero. Yeah. Uh, Train is, is actually a board game where uh you are a bunch of people and you are building a train system and you are taking these little you are transporting these little figures from point a to point b um and at first it's all about trying to cram as many of these people in these carts as possible and trying to get it get them to the edge of the board to the destination um and then once you once you send your first train then you draw a card from a deck which tells you um which tells you what destination they were sent to and it, there's no context. You don't you don't really know um, sort of where what world this is set in. So so you know they could be being sent to the moon for all you know. So you happily send off your first card of passengers and you draw a card and it says Auschwitz and you're like, oh no, I'm the Nazis. That's awful. Um, and then what's interesting is that people sometimes adapt to that and they try to then play the game badly so that. And they try to, like, interpret the rules in a way where they're like, okay, can I make the trains run slower? Can I sabotage the trains? Can I make them derail? And then maybe the, these passengers who are, you know, Jewish victims of the Holocaust can have, get out and run away. Um, and that's a really interesting game, and it's a really interesting concept. But I thought, I think that, like, the kind of gotcha uh, idea has been done a bit, a bit too much at this point because it's like really easy to kind of manufacture so i was more interested in not having a single turns out you're the bad guy moment but having this kind of slow brooding undertone where there's this constant tension between what the game wants you to do and like what you as an ethical human being want to do and you can kind of approach that from a few ways you could like you could just role play and decide, okay, I am an, a super evil CEO, so I'm going to embrace the evil, while understanding as the player that this is that these are like unethical acts. Um, or you can try to kind of balance that out, and you can try to play the game in a sort of ethical way as best you can, always picking like the lesser of two evils. Um, or you can just ignore it, and you can say, hey, it's a game, it's a power fantasy, I don't really care. Um, and there's probably other ways to interact with it as well. But I thought that was a really interesting um way of approaching like this playing this type of character
1: hmm interesting i never really thought about it that hard because when, when it comes to kind of the like these types again the 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 resource time management i really just try to like whatever the the goal in mind is i just try to Min max or push everything to the edge, whatever I can to kind of succeed. I'm gonna say the word mm-hmm. succeed there. So <laughs> you could say, as far as your your game is concerned, I would be the the most like devilish, like eyes in the sky of the game. I would like, <laughs> and like the the people don't matter; they're just numbers and. For me, I yeah, exactly to, that that's, I'm not. I'm gonna be honest. That's gonna <laughs> how the, I would have played the game, like that's that's the kind of type of player I am. That's kind of scary to think, huh?
0: But I think that's perfectly fine because because you know it, at the end of the day it is a game and the people are numbers. But I wanted to even for players like you kind of raise the idea that maybe these kinds of actions are not ethical, even if you're role playing an unethical character so that like maybe if people do this stuff in the real world it's not okay or or at least to just like make you think about it a little bit
1: no yeah that uh, when it comes to kind of the what's happening nowadays it's it's kind of scary when you yeah it's a lot it's a lot to take in but it's something that even when when we as individuals try to ignore as much as we can we have to take note of the things that are that are happening not only outside our our own space but sometimes within our own like towns just because it it, it's affecting us um it affects our communities and you know it's (laughs) it goes into different lines of work you can kind of tell in the last couple years some of the some of the things that have been just recently happening are melding with with our different properties from uh novels games movies like you say it's it's seeping in and we have to kind of pay attention to uh not only the good but sometimes the the, the not so good stuff happening out there because as much as so, yeah as much as we don't want to uh pay attention to it but we have to like take note like so bad things are happening this is what what it is like take note of exactly. it even if, yeah it's like don't don't wear rose-colored glasses. That's basically it.
0: Yeah, and and I think like I I enjoyed doing a fictional game about these kinds of forces because it, I once went to um, a talk by by Emily Short, who's a narrative designer. Um, her work's really good, uh, and she suggested like the idea that if you wrap something in fiction, then it becomes like a fireproof container. Like, the fact that it's fictional means that you don't have to engage with it as kind of in such a raw way as if it were real. Like, if you play this game, then you'll think about some stuff, but at the end of the day, it is a game. So you can take as much or as little from it as you want. If you watch a documentary about, like, people dying from poisoned water in Flint, it's very hard to come away from that with any, like, positive emotions. And, you know, rightly so. But but it means that, like, you kind of have to really buy in to, okay, I am going to watch something that is going to make me sad, and I think it's important, but I'm going to do it. Whereas I think with this game, it's like I, I wanted to kind of help give people tools to understand some of what's happening in the world, um, but I didn't want it to be in the form of, like, a really depressing lecture. I, I wanted it to be in the form of something fun and interesting that could entertain them, as well as, um, like... Teach them about these systems.
2: Okay, sweet. So,
1: my here's my question now. Kind of moving, mm-hmm. moving past that is. Um, there's there's two two parts I wanna uh, talk with you. So first, we'll talk. We'll stick kind of in the the video game genre for now. Um, so. Um uh, in your early days what were some of the the games that kind of got you into the gaming
0: culture? Hmm. I think the the ones that had the biggest impact on me were looking glass sims like uh, System Shock or Thief. Um because they like I enjoyed, you know, playing first person shooters and and other kind of very linearly designed games. Um but I I had a. There was a special place in my heart for these games like Thief, like System Shock, where um, the whole world is filled with these objects that you can kind of manipulate in unexpected ways. So, like, for example, if you play the original Thief and there's a room that you need to sneak through and there's a guard in the middle of the room, you could try to sneak up behind the guard and hit him on the head or you could try to creep around uh, where the guard can't see you or you could try to put out a light source so that he can't see you because it's too dark, or you could uh, put some moss on the ground so that you can move across the floor really uh, quietly, uh, or you could find a, another route around uh, to get to where you need to go sometimes. So it just felt like usually in your gaming toolbox, you've got like what you've got like you know three verbs like stab or shoot or use a, an explosive or something. Um, And I love the fact that in Thief there were all of these verbs that all kind of interacted with other stuff and it felt really It felt like there, it like there were more possibilities and that you were freer to To kind of do your own thing and I think that's why it's a cult classic Um, What else did I play? I played a lot of adventure games as well Because they tended to have the best stories and I kind of like that and I like the fact that you were solving puzzles uh, rather than just using violence. Um, and can I think of one more? Oh, I also really love the the Total War games. Um, I, I played Rome Total War uh, so many times. I was never very good at it, but but it was exactly this kind of power fantasy, actually. Um, and you can even see in some of the, the UI design for spinotality, uh, like the placement of some of those u i elements is directly because' they're in the total war game, so that's where they they where that's where they naturally go um which is kind of odd that it sort of echoed through through my memory like that from when I was like thirteen or whatever
1: <laughs> hey inspiration you know doesn't doesn't hurt mostly when yeah, it's yeah. something from your past that's cool mm-hmm. like like when when it comes to when it comes to games or just about it any any anything out there like what's the best way to put it so th- there's a lot of games that like fit into different people like like we've we've all have our own genres that we're we've grown accustomed to, and like from just talking with you a little bit kinda I get an idea of like I'm actually. I remember playing the first. actually, my brother. My brother was big into the, the Thief series. That's why I was like, like, oh, I did that game. Sounds so familiar. Like, I remember him <laughs> watching him. Like, I remember him playing it a lot. He's he's he was big into. This was around the time where he was getting into these like, uh, these stealth based games. I was, at, at that point, I was not really into those kind of games. I was more into like the the RPGs and, uh, and. At that point I think shooters as well. But I was just like like what gear can I get the best of? What can I do? While well, he was doing all these stealth based missions, but uh it's interesting to hear that mostly when mostly hearing that Total War uh UI setup because it I I I myself come uh have a programming background and for like for my final project to to graduate i had to uh me and my my team had to develop a, a simple demo for our class to you know play and everything and i remember me and the the other guy who was working on our ui we were we spent like two weeks just trying to one get it working that's that was fun <laughs> <laughs> but kind oh, of Oh, joy <laughs> yeah. Uh but mostly having um for me um uh having a reasonable layout w- for for the player is something that's kinda of, I, I, I nitpick when I have to dig into menus upon menus upon menus mm-hmm. to find something, it it frustrates me. Like I, I, I don't mind that there's a menu to a sub menu, but it it sometimes if it gets too deep then it's like it's frustrating. But I remember I wanted one, I I remember telling my uh my my partner at that time, like like we we were kind of at that point where we were kind of overcomplicating and we had to like shorten our time, like limit our resource. And I told him, okay, let's let's do not the minimum we can do, but let's do our the best with with the time we had. So we had not uh this really interesting bare bones uh we were doing a Space Dogfighter, which, mm. thinking of it now, was ridiculous for our first demo because we we were literally uh, going to the last two weeks, like, day in and day out, programming it to make sure that we graduated <laughs> and got our, our degrees. <laughs> um because I remember the first the first two weeks were easy like okay guys brainstorm ideas what we're gonna do final two weeks oh god I've only had four hours of sleep I don't know what to do um (sighs) to to a reasonably um passable demo um I have it somewhere it's somewhere in one of my hard drives um but it, it was I one I I enjoyed one I'm I'm big into um Programming—that's one of one of my passions and something. Well, I spent like three years learning. Sadly, no one wants to hire me for that. Somewhere out there, hire me. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's—I don't even know. I just went on a tangent. Now
2: I'm lost. Hmm. You were talking about UI.
1: Oh yeah, UI. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> I like how the. Um, you can You can tell that a lot of a lot of developers uh kind of adapt other UIs because sometimes you you can't beat something that's not
2: broken
0: sorry you cut out for a second
1: oh okay you can't you can't you can't beat something that's not broken like if it works, it works you can adjust it to what your game model is uh, but at the end of the day, if, it, if it's if it's a, a working idea, use it and adapt it.
0: Uh, and it's interesting how with um, some UI elements, you see them repeated through games that are like similar, but not that similar. And I think that's because um, there are some things that work and people haven't and like there's no reason to change it um, without a good reason. It's kind of like um, if you're a writer, they say that there are some rules that you should absolutely not break, and the whole point, and those rules exist to make sure that your writing is good, and you can break them if you know what you're doing, but but if you don't have a good reason for breaking them, then you should just stick with what you know and what the rules say, because, like, they get the job done.
1: Hmm. This is telling me not to become a writer, then.
0: <laughs> it's, it's harder than just tapping out words on a page, I guess.
1: Oh no! It, it, honestly, I know. Honestly, I once tried. I got three pages in and gave up. Audience, you'll never get to see that, that work, ever. I still have those three pages. There. <laughs> they're they're in, a, they're in a folder somewhere. Maybe one day it'll be adapted to something. But I, I do know I have them, and I tried. It's not like I didn't try. Um, but <laughs> I just it just it's something that for <laughs> what's what's interesting is I'm I'm not even though it sound doesn't sound like I talk well at this moment, but the the words come to mind as far as when when writing something, but it's for some reason it doesn't come out when I'm writing or typing it out. And it frustrates me as an individual. Um <laughs> when uh when just writing a a tale, um, like for the for the most part, I'm I I'm not a bad storyteller. Like throw me at a campfire, I can tell you a really good story. Uh, come to you, like you know you should write that down. All right, yeah, it's no good. It just it doesn't mm. I don't know it just doesn't work for me. I don't I, I I don't understand why either. But it's something that for me it frustrates me to to a point. Um, but yeah, that's that's just me.
2: So the now getting to the the
1: second part, the uh, your hmm? God, if this word does not come out of my mouth, it's gonna frustrate me. You're literally God ah, dang it, words.
0: words. Literary.
1: <laughs> that that background. I don't know why that word doesn't <laughs> want to come out. Yeah. I'm literally gonna it's use okay. that. At the, that's gonna be the title it's of this episode. You. that's the that's the title if anyone's listening yeah that's that's the title
0: title. literally literary
1: (laughs) it will be that will be the Uh, title you'll know why audience (laughs) yeah all right anyways that background so you 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 said that you spent uh three years learning and that can you talk a little bit more about that
0: so i um I always liked books, and I always liked reading, and, and I always thought I was not bad at writing them. Uh, so it was kind of my dream to become a writer, and I thought, well, what better way to become a writer than by studying literature? Um, and I was fortunate enough to get accepted to Cambridge in England, which is like one of the top five universities worldwide. Um, and so we, it, it's a really like thorough kind of maybe a little traditional sort of uh syllabus because you you kind of have to you you kind of have to go through the history of english literature before they'll let you do like take any optional modules um but we started out learning about medieval english and so we read stuff like um like geoffrey chaucer and then we moved on to renaissance stuff and the 18th century and we sort of moved all the way up all the way into like postmodernist stuff and things that were written like five or 10 years ago. Um, and I also did a little bit of, uh, I looked at American literature and I also studied Old English, which is uh, the English that was spoken in uh, the British Isles uh, basically after the fall of the Roman Empire. So that's uh, what Beowulf was written in, which some people might have heard of. So um, I did all of that kind of historical survey. Um and I was kind of getting itchy feet a little bit because uh for my for my final dissertation, I decided to look at interactive literature, so hypertext and um like parser based adventure games, that kind of thing. um and I wrote that paper about how um uh by by it was about empathy and about like um role playing as a character and about how uh maybe. Uh, the player role playing as a fictional character and, and being offered choices is kind of a way for the player to sort of explore who they could be and uh, what sort of person they really are and and what it would be like if they went this way instead or to kind of to kind of live out the, the kind of person that they that they really feel they ought to be, um, which interestingly was uh, you see echoes of that idea in, you know, the TV show Westworld the one yes, with the like, android cowboys yeah when i was watching that i was like oh hey that's my dissertation idea in that one line that's really cool um so that was kind of interesting uh and and basically i did i did okay um but by the end of it i sort of felt like i i'd read lots and lots of literature um and i was actually not much closer to being a good writer i just knew a lot more about lots of different books uh and there was a difference there um, but the one thing it did help me understand was that at the start, I thought that um, I thought that culture was something that was sort of beneficial, and it was widely agreed what it was. I, I thought culture was like, you know, uh, TV shows and acceptably highbrow movies and classical music and you know uh, and Victorian architecture, and that, and that everything that was the further away you got from that thing the less cultured it was. And I thought the culture was always good. And by the end of it, by the end of this course, I realized that actually culture is just a kind of agreed upon set of values, uh, which varies wildly between different groups of people, different nations or different tribes. Um, And that actually what culture does is it, it finds things that are similar to it and it consumes them or it finds things that are opposed to it and it tries to discredit them. Um, So uh, it's kind of hard to give an example, but let's say that we're talking about American culture, specifically like um, right-wing Republican culture, um, that is very bound up with the idea of the American dream and the idea that everyone who is in a good position in America has got there through hard work and deserves to be there. So they're very much, so they oppose the idea of say, immigrants coming into the U S because, um, they feel that, that, that works against that cultural identity. Um, and they, but they can kind of find things that, that, uh, like films about the American dream, uh, which kind of harmonize with that culture. And so they can kind of take those things. So that was like the, the biggest lesson that I took out of it. And I, uh, out of that course, um, and I kind of decided that that was a really interesting lesson, but I was done applying that to books and I would much
2: rather apply it to games instead.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, I have a long tangent, sorry about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because what what's interesting is that's something that a lot of people don't really, like I said, a lot of people don't pay attention to is uh, the idea of like just just as talking about of culture is like I, I, I myself have a Hispanic culture but I I was raised American so like I, I I get a chance to see both sides I'm gonna say uh, on top of that uh, I enjoy learning of other other cultures as well I, I like having the chance to try to understand to the best as I can of why People do the things they do. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me, mostly since I always wondered about my own Hispanic culture and uh, why people do some of these traditional things, these festivals. Uh, so, uh, even, even in general, uh, we can just talk something as simply as uh, Christmas. Christmas in itself is supposed to be a Christian holiday, but the world uh, has its own way to celebrate that holiday. Let it be materialistic or actually holy.
0: Exactly. So like with Christmas is a really good example um, because it started out as a um, it actually was originally nothing special. It was just another feast day uh, in, the, uh, in the church. And then Charles Dickens decided that he was going to turn it into this celebration of Christian charity, which he did by writing um, A Christmas Carol. And so, okay, Charles Dickens had this idea, but it took off because the culture of England and then America at the time was similar enough to the idea that he was putting forward, which was that like charity is a Christian value and we should therefore be charitable. Uh, And Christmas should be an expression of that because it is a Christian holiday. All of those things kind of worked together enough that Christmas became this big kind of national and then international celebration. Um, And then in America, where um, like things that were a bit more materialistic, it became more about like buying things and giving gifts and that kind of thing. So it was still close enough for them to do that. But if you took Christmas to a totally different culture where maybe Christianity is uh, like hated, then they would probably reject Christmas outright and say that, like, OK, our culture determines that Christmas is like a terrible thing and uh, we, we're not going to, to adapt it. We're going to try and destroy it or we're going to not accept it at all.
1: no yeah the 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 ability to just kind of like view different things is it's interesting when when handling different cultures it's like for most mostly when you're dealing with kind of like religious things and that this is this is kind of like a hot take um uh because my my mother's hometown has this very very specific tradition of celebrating the specific saint. Um, and it's done for like a week long event, which for me, for me now, is an is an oddity. Uh, like I I understand why they do it. It's the 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 way the reason they celebrate this specific person uh, is for what he did in the in the town years ago. Uh, more like a, a local hero, but he was like dubbed a saint. Which, interesting. Uh, I got So, so
0: was so. This was a local person who lived there. Were were they actually like beatified and then uh, what's the term sanctified, canonized by by the Catholic Church by Rome, or is it like a local that, decision that they just became a saint?
1: That's a good question. I have to look it up a little bit more. Uh, this is some, something uh, I remember. I learned in my early teens from my grandmother. Um, I, I really got to dig into that because it, it for, because that's true. Is because, uh, because I don't know. Has anyone become a saint in the last couple of years? I'm trying to think. Uh, I that. mean,
0: Mother Teresa is on her way there. Uh, she's been beatified and now they're like waiting for miracles. And, and once they've got a few miracles, then they can like complete the process. I, I think it's like a continuously like rolling thing. in in the in the early 20th century i think there were loads of saints for like really specific things like the saint of shoe manufacturers and the saint of people who who make clothing and that kind of stuff um which which is a bit strange but i mean there's a cultural reason for all of it i'm sure
1: i know i (laughs) everyone yeah there's there's a saint just for everything i know that a bunch of my friends uh like worship the 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 saint of like partying, and that's a thing. Oh, out there. really? Yes. There. I, I didn't.
0: This. I didn't know that the Catholic Church had a saint of partying. I thought that like that was just sinful. So
1: now he, they they try to keep him lowbrow. You know, you can't ha- you can't have the the people knowing for sure. But he's out there. He's like he's like the the stepchild, <laughs> like <okay, laughs> pushed aside. But he's out there. The people know him. Um, Love
0: that. It's just wonderful.
1: Interesting, though. That, like, honestly, thinking about it now, it's something. That's something I should start looking into again. It's because that's that's another thing that's it's. You don't really hear about that that much anymore. The, this talk of saints. There's just so so many other things happening in the world that sometimes it just
0: yeah. Um, so
1: much. If, if you so if much, you hear
0: about the Catholic Church, then it's like is the catholic church (laughs) that like that there's much bigger issues that that are affiliated with the catholic church rather than like talking about saints so
1: that's true i want more positivity in the world god why is it nothing ah let's 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 uh let's stay away let's let's try to move away some from some of the yeah uh okay let's let's talk with you there (laughs) okay let's let's well this episode's about you so tell us more a little bit more about yourself then
0: Um, well, I, so I I used to live in the UK and that's where I'm from, but I, uh, moved to Vienna about five or six years ago with my girlfriend, basically because I finished my studies and we were long distance and we wanted to very much not be long distance. And so she wanted to study here and it was a lovely city. Um, it consistently ranks as number one in the world for quality of life. Um, I think they, they figured that out with like surveys and stuff um but it's a really nice place to live and so i I've sort of made this my home base uh oddly enough i still speak terrible german because i haven't found like a german class that's that suits my needs and is cheap enough uh but but i get there um and so i live here with my girlfriend and my cat and uh i'm i've been to a few uh of the the meetups for the the game devs around here and it's a really lovely community so i'm very happy to be here um yeah i What else? I still like books and I have way too many of them, um, but they don't occupy such a central place in my life. Um, Oh, also I'm interested in spirituality, uh, Taoism and witchcraft. So uh, I'm learning how to read tarot and I have a few pentagrams and stuff and I have an altar. Uh, And that's basically to help me kind of remain sane uh in a world that consistently tries to make me not
1: <laughs> interesting interesting
0: so that's more culture
1: <laughs> well no yeah that's like honestly I, I would not have like i don't honestly that would i' have never would have heard that if I never would have asked you know um <laughs>
0: That, that yeah, I, yeah. That that's the, It's a good thing it was such an open question. I was like, what else can I tell you?" Oh yeah, that one thing that's been really central to my life for the last year.
1: <laughs> like
0: yes, yeah, so I, I I study yeah. books. I I enjoy game
1: development. Yeah. Uh, I I also do tarot and witchcraft. Did not expect that <laughs> honestly, but that's kind of where my like, like every my listeners know there's like a uh, a good like oddity at the end. Uh, I don't know if you were saving yes. that for that. <laughs> um, but actually surprisingly, I, like, like, I, like I said earlier, I, I enjoy, uh, learning different cultures. And, um, for me, I, I actually spent a good, a good year learning, um, what was it called now? Like I spent a year learning like, um, Asian fortune telling, uh, or oh, just kind uh,
0: of, you mean, you mean using the Ching? the the oracle because uh, I use that pronounced? too yes oh, well I, I looked it up once I, I always pronounce it the I Ching because that's, ah, that's how go. it's spelled um, but I <laughs> looked helps, it up because yeah. I because I thought I thought to myself this this cannot be how you pronounce it it it's just it's there's no way and I looked it up and apparently it's I Ching but I I'm kind of waiting for someone who actually knows to correct me because then I'll have a definitive answer um, but yeah I, I also use there, that you
1: can correct us. Yes, okay, please yeah. do. <laughs> that, I, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I I spent about a year just kind of it kind of first delved into the the whole um fortune telling thing. I was it, it, that that was an interesting uh uh part that I was like, getting. and then I kind of just like branched off. Um what's interesting mm-hmm. is like the one of the first things were actually tarot. Um that was the initial thing, but I never I Like got into it for some reason. I just kind of went into Asian culture and that uh, I like I spent a, a reasonable amount of like the last year learning that and why it is and Trying to do it. It was fun. It was a fun yeah. like last part of my high school days I should have been studying more thinking of it now instead of doing that but it's
0: yeah. i i actually um I actually found out about it because it's featured heavily in a novel by Philip K. Dick uh, called "The Man in the High Castle," which was recently made into a TV show um, but in, i don't I don't think it's in the TV show too much, but in the book, um, the uh, Hitler wins World War II and then the u s. is split between the Nazis in the East and the Japanese colonies in the West, uh, and it's set in the Japanese area. And all of these characters use the, the Oracle, the I in order to like help them figure out what to do with their lives. And apparently, he actually, uh, Philip K. Dick himself, the sci-fi author, had a copy of the Oracle. And when the characters consulted, um, the author actually used it at that moment. And so the readings you get in the book are literally the readings that he got as he was writing the text. Um, Which is really cool, Uh, but but I've also got into uh, Taoism, which is sort of a philosophy derived from the I Ching, which is that, um, well, it's impossible to describe. That is literally the first line of of the Book of the Tao. You can't possibly describe it. Um, But basically, it's this idea that um, we all exist in an interconnected way, and uh, the world runs the universe runs in cycles which are predictable but every time they're also different and it's all about trying to find out where you fit within that wider pattern and how you can then uh, live your life most in harmony with like with yourself um and that's kind of why i why i use the ishing it's not so much the fortune telling aspect that is fun it's more like to remind me of my place in the universe and because it's so easy if you read like a really horrible news article to get overwhelmed or if something bad happens in your life, it seems like that's the most important thing in the whole universe. Um, and it's really good to take a step back and um, use a philosophy like Taoism or an, or an oracle like the I Ching, just to remind you that like there's a much wider context within which all this stuff is happening uh, and that it makes sense to get upset about things, but that you don't need to let that kind of consume
1: you. No, and no, no, I no, to- I actually totally agree with you on that. Because actually, I was trying to see if I still had my old deck. I, st- I, I know cool. I have them. I, I know I have them. Uh, because I recently moved, my audience knows this, and I, I remember seeing, like, I remember those from high school. And now it's bugging me that I know. I have them somewhere in my new place. And I kind of want to dig into them again and just kind of <laughs> delve right into it and just get into it again uh but no you're you're totally right it's um kind of kind of centering yourself with i know we said it a lot but it's 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 good to know and good to repeat like centering yourself sometimes really helps uh not only your your mental self but your for anyone who believes it, your spiritual self as well, um, and then it, it's also good for your own physical self, like your health and everything. Just kind of de-stress for the most part as best you can. It's it just keeps your keeps you centered. I think that's the best way I can put it at the moment.
0: Exactly, exactly. I think so too. And I'm not there yet. Like I still have a long way to go, but it definitely helps when I manage it. So
1: yeah. Hey, um, like I'm everywhere, like. I'm at five in the morning, trying to get calls. And yes, trust me, that's not actually the the earliest. I actually had a, I had a two two for me it was two a.m. For them, it was, wow. yeah, it was a it was a, a fine gentleman from Australia, I'm uh, guy to talk to. But oh, it's got a time zone, sir. I gotta I gotta get these I gotta get these things set one of these days. Uh, but anyways, um, just <laughs> uh for, for anyone listening, like. Like for for the most part, any for any method or teaching out there that helps you kind of like regain yourself. Um, for the most part, is hopefully it's something positive, not nothing too uh, too harmful to yourself or others. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna really be specific about that because uh, in in this world in this depending on what culture because we're we're living in this like <laughs> internet we're living, actually we're living in an internet culture where everything's literally thrown at us and it's like actually I had an actually I had an interesting discussion a couple days ago about um the ways what's interesting is kind of going a little bit back into your game uh is how social media is kind of like it's it's ingrained in your personal days now. Uh and what happened a couple at this point, a couple of days, maybe a week ago, with Facebook being like shut down for a couple almost a day. Uh a lot of people were freaking out about that. And you know, it's like for me, I, I kinda escaped the holes of Facebook like two years ago. So mm-hmm. I like I, I I only use Facebook about once a week, and that's just to upload to my um to the uh, the page for this podcast, so mm-hmm. listeners, if you're used Facebook, I'm sorry, but at least you get updates. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the, the 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 discussion I was having with a couple of people is um, like, what what do we do? Mostly because of all this uh, Facebook shutdown, is like, I know two. I got contacted from two people who are like, like. Honestly, they were freaking out like what happens if they shut down Facebook and I was like for me like I understood it's not going to shut down it's a billion dollar company there's nothing going to happen you know just don't worry about it just a, yes. it's just it's just a, a system error okay but for them it's like it was the end of the world they uh and uh, like they had like photos, videos, all that and that's understandable like like we have the ability to upload just about anything on- online to have saved for us, and if we would lose it, I understand that it would it would it would be horrible for them. But one uh, tangent going oh, getting away from that tangent is like what what would you do? What damn it? Why can't I say it? What can we do to step back from being on social media so much? Like <laughs> like for me. Um, I I've been trying to step step away from it a little bit more than I, I used to, uh, like I when I would wak- wake up in the morning, like my phone's next to my head. I I usually go and check my emails because scheduling fun times. But <laughs> after that, after that, it's kind of like like okay, I'm gonna scroll Twitter and see what's happening there. Check the news. Go to Reddit. Look what's happening there, and then and then. Luckily, I'm out of Facebook, and I then maybe go to Instagram and see what random photos the the people I follow put on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> within that time span, I'm gonna say I spend. I'm trying to think what I used to spend when I woke. up, uh, Did all that? I spent like about an hour, about an mm-hmm. hour, just scrolling, scrolling on my phone, and uh, maybe more. I'm I'm gonna be honest. It's probably more. It's probably more. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but like think about let it, let
0: me ask you like how how much of that time did you spend uh, being like feeling anxious or feeling angry like having negative feelings
1: oh no i get a good, a reasonable amount of time i'm not gonna lie that's that's kind of the reason I brought up this, this topic for discussion yeah but is um i i actually i asked something similar to the to my, to my friends at that point is like 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 what <laughs> Why do why do we do this to ourselves? And I understand you know you're trying you're trying to stay connected with the uh, the masses you know, but mm-hmm. one that uh, you can you can do so much more for yourself. Uh, you'll have more time for yourself, and I know I had a third point, but it, it eludes me at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think also you you will be happier in yourself like that there's sometimes times where I've scrolled through social media and either I've seen news that is dreadful and makes me just angry and sad and frustrated. Um, or I get into like a comment argument, uh, with, or a reply argument with someone. And then like that really gets my blood boiling and that's not, that doesn't help anyone at the end of the day. So it's amazing how, um, sometimes social media is fine, but it does have the potential to completely like ruin my day. So yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't have like a magic bullet for it because it is a complicated thing. I think that that it's important to recognize uh why we're using social media in the first place, because if we can understand that, then maybe we can use maybe we can achieve that goal in a in a healthier way. So for me, I I use social media to feel connected to people that I value um, and to be exposed to interesting things. So that means that when it comes to Twitter, like actually my my Twitter interactions have been almost entirely positive for months, uh, I haven't had a single negative Twitter interaction at all because I only follow people that I like or people who are doing interesting things that I want to keep tabs on. So my Twitter has miraculously become this font of positivity for me. Um, I I, I really enjoy checking notifications and scrolling through my feed because it's usually something that's really nice um and that means that even if there is something bad in there like a person whose whose opinion i respect has brought a bad thing to my attention because it's important we know about it um then like i can retweet that and feel like i've boosted the message um and i've taken the information on board but most of the time my twitter feed is positivity so it kind of balances out um Personally, if I could, I would only limit my Facebook interactions to people I I actually know in real life and value. Um, I can't really do that because like being in touch with people who I don't know or following groups who like following groups who are, which are filled with people uh, like let's, let's take like the cyberpunk group on Facebook, for example, I have to be followed to them. Um, it's just incredibly good business sense because I made a cyberpunk game. So if I want to post in that group, that's a potential source of of players. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in there, um, who, who, you know, really. Want to play the game and I'm and glad that I posted in there, but, uh, it comes with the downside that now I see posts from this group, which. I like Cyberpunk, but like I'm not always sure that I want to see every post from that group on my daily feed. So if you have the luxury of only following uh like people who who really do bring you joy, then I would say definitely go with that. Um if you do want to get your news from social media, I guess that's okay. But just be aware of the fact that like um I guess imagine that every social media account that you have is like a deck of cards and so you have to kind of think to yourself okay am i what kind of cards am i putting into this deck uh, because if you follow only really positive people really lovely people then you will tend to draw really positive really lovely cards like you'll tend to get that sort of tweet or or post but if you fill that with like news that you feel you should know about like if you follow just a bunch of news organizations and, and other media outlets to find out what's going on in the world. You're going to get a a bunch of cards or like a a bunch of threads out of that sort of that unknown deck, um, which are going to be like more anxiety inducing, which are probably going to be more like useful in terms of telling you what's going on in the world, but they're not going to like, every time you draw a card from that deck, you might draw one that, that has a negative impact on you. So I'd say just like, be aware of the fact that those feeds you're creating are, they are going to reflect the stuff that you put into them. And so that means that you need to, to be conscious of what you want to get out of that feed. And then you had to be conscious of, okay, why am I checking this feed now? Do I have the emotional energy to potentially take like a hit to my, to my like, um, to my mood, I guess. Um, yeah, so, cause I don't think there's anything wrong with social media per se. Um, but I do think that you just need to be aware of the fact that it is a tool, but it's not, it's not a tool that is very easy to handle. And so you can totally use it, but you need to be conscious of it.
1: Okay. I, I couldn't have said it any better way. Like <laughs> Moderation, like understanding, well, your usage of it. Those are some very good tips. So at this moment, do you have any, any questions for me before we kind of head to the closing parts of the, the show?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I've waffled enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So we're going to have a few little words from our friends right here This podcast brought to you by Ouchthathurts.com. Visit Ouch that Hurts for music, gaming, reviews, editorials, podcasts, and more. Ouchthathurts H E R T Z dot com.
2: Come hang out and chat with everyone on our Discord channel. Be a part of our community.
1: All right. So The, this point of the show, I usually ask my uh, my guests to regale us with the tale of one of the strangest, weirdest, most convoluted thing that has ever happened, you have ever done, or you've ever encountered.
0: So I I actually have two because like neither of them count as like a full anecdote, but I think that they're both kind of unusual and and interesting and fun. So the first one is just uh, when I was launching this game, because I'm an idiot, I I make this game using Unity. And Unity can build to Windows, Mac, and Linux. So that means that those are the three platforms that the game is supported by. So I tested it out on Windows because that's what I use. And I tested it out on Linux because a friend of mine has a Linux machine, but nobody I know owns a Mac as far as I know. Um, So I hadn't actually tested it out on Mac, but I thought, you know, it's built fine to the other two. I'm sure it's fine. Um, And then literally the day when it was launching, I found a post in the bug report forums, which said, hey, this doesn't work on Mac. You press the start button and nothing happens. And I'm like, oh, no. So I so I email Everyone I know, basically. uh, I I go into the the local Vienna uh, Slack channel for indie devs and I say, hello, does anyone have a Mac? Because I think that there might be a really serious problem. And after a few hours, somebody posts back and says, actually, I've got one, send me a build and I'll tell you if it works. And I sent him the build and I thought, I'm sure it works. I'm sure it's just that one person's setup. I'm sure it's all fine. And they they responded back and they said, nope, it doesn't work. You press start game, nothing happens. And I'm like, ah, Okay, so then uh, I email some more people and I'm eventually able to figure out what the problem is. And th- remember this is on launch day, so I- I'm launching at like 6 p.m. By this point it's like 12 noon and I've I've finally figured out what the problem is and it's to do with the fact that Unity handles uh, loading resources from from certain folders differently, depending on whether it's Mac or Linux. And there, there are some folders that behave the same and some folders that behave different on the two of them. So I finally managed to get it working. And I was like, oh, my God, today was meant to be a really chill day where I just wrote like blog updates and and streamed the game a little bit and then hit launch and it was all going to be fine. And instead, I'm stressing out about this. And so um, my my mentor, who was the guy who um, who actually uh, helped me with this problem, because he has a Mac, said, okay, look, you absolutely cannot launch a game on a system that you do not own. It just It's not going to work. And I basically responded, well, I know that now. <laughs> so literally that day, um, I, I went on to um, Wilhaven, which is like the Vienna version of eBay. And I looked for any Mac, a Mac, any Mac at all that I can buy today Um, just so that I would not have this problem ever again. Uh, and I found one which I could pick up, uh, you know, on the other end of the city. So I wound up sort of traveling out to the other end of the city, buying this Mac, lugging it back, uh, back to my flat and the whole process took about like two or three hours. Um, just so that I could boot it up and make sure that yes, it does actually work on a Mac. And and I'm looking at that Mac right now, and I, I just wish i bought it, like, a week earlier, because that was ridiculous. Um, and then everything went more or less fine with the launch, except actually, no, I, for, for a reason that I never quite understood, I could never get that Mac version working, the really up-to-date one, for launch day. So I ended up... Actually, if if you bought the Mac version on launch day, you were playing the last version that worked, which was about a week before the launch day version because I just couldn't get it working. And I'm sorry about that, but and it's all up to date now, um, but that that's just how it all played out because for some reason I just couldn't get Steam to to recognize the most recent Mac version. The weird thing is the, the version that did definitely work on launch day, which was the old version, still had the bug that should have caused it to not be able to be started, and yet it still worked. And I have no idea why that is. So that's a mystery.
1: Wow. So that's that is... my,
0: yeah, that, that's my first that... anecdote. The other one is much shorter. Um, if you have a, a UK hardback copy of The Prisoner of Azkaban, one of the Harry Potter books, and you turn to the back flap, uh, of, of the dust jacket, there will be a letter from there written by me to J.K. Rowling aged eight because I was a massive potter head. Uh, and it's really embarrassing because I was eight. So, you know, you, you can imagine what that's like. Uh, but it is there if you if you have the original UK version uh, of, of that book.
1: Wait, can you repeat that again? I think you cut off.
0: Okay, so, so um, if you... If, basically when I was eight, I really loved Harry Potter and the first two books had come out, so The Philosopher's Stone and, the, Prisoner of Az- uh, and the, uh, the Chamber of Secrets. So I wrote a letter to J.K. Rowling saying how much I liked the books and it got printed on the back flap of the UK edition of The Prisoner of Azkaban. So if really? you turn to the... So you, yeah, so if you have a hardcover copy I don't think it's in the paperback. If you have a hardcover copy of *The Prisoner of Azkaban* from the UK, um, and you still have the original dust jacket, then my letter, which is very embarrassing, it's it's written terribly, um, is is on the back flap of the dust jacket.
1: Wow, that is that yeah. is. That is it's ridiculous. Odd and that, is,
0: that is so odd, but
1: amazing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that. Thank you for sharing those two tales. You're very welcome. <laughs> oh, wow. That's kind of cool. I, 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 what, what I like about this segment is you never, you never know what someone yes. might say. So thank you, <laughs> honestly, for sharing that. So everyone out there listening, start hunting down for a hard copy. I want to see this letter.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have but, one somewhere. I don't know if it's in my I don't know if I have it here or whether it's in my parents' house, but I definitely have a copy somewhere.
1: Huh? All right. Um but yeah, that that's cool. Honestly that's cool. I just wish she <laughs> she, she she would she would cool it on Twitter a little bit these days.
0: Just... Yeah, no, I there's um, what is it? P- people have said that uh, like uh, that it. People always wish that she would write more in Harry Potter universe, and it, it's almost like it was a like a monkey's paw curse because she's she's written more and she's she's adding more stuff, but um, opinions differ as to whether or not it improves it.
1: Yeah, that uh, <laughs> that's honestly the this discussion has been. I've I've had the discussion great a lot, but <laughs> if she if she just cools it a little bit, just kind of moves forward with the franchise a little bit. Yeah. Please, please, just please, yeah, and and
0: just this. just just get an editor for the for the scripts. There's everyone needs an editor. T. S. Eliot had an editor, and he's like one of the foremost modernist poets of the early 20th century. Like, there's no shame in having one. We all need a second pair of eyeballs.
1: Yep. Honestly, I might need, like, a third or fourth when it comes to that. And yes. maybe may another year. And that's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. What, what counts is the, the work. It's not, like, the process is great, but it's not about how brilliant a writer you are. It's about the quality of the thing at the end, I think.
1: Exactly. And for my listeners, that's what I try to do with this show and the other shows that I work on. So, now, we're going to get into the game show portion of the podcast. so you decided to play one of us listeners one of us is a improv style game where i gave my listen uh my guest uh a couple talking points in which he will have to use those into a speech spiel or rant to try to get me and you the audience to join his organization his group or cult um, so, uh, at the end of the his uh, speech, we're gonna let you know what his talking points were. Um, but for now, uh, I'm gonna let him uh, tell me whenever you're ready, and we can get started, James.
0: Okay, this is gonna be a little bit strange. So, we all have trouble finding meaning in a chaotic universe. We all feel like there's something we don't understand. And we, we all to a certain extent search for the meaning of life, whether it's in a grand general sense, or whether it's uh, like, what is the meaning of my life? What should I do with my life? Well, a lot of religions have, have tried to solve that problem and give people meaning. I'm here to say that the answer did not lie with any one religion. It lay with the goats, it lay with those animals that are bad tempered and eat grass and that we've been keeping imprisoned for millennia at this point. They actually had the answer all along, but uh, we were so mean to them because, you know, we we didn't respect them. We kept them penned up. Uh, You know, occasionally we would beat them in order to make them walk forward. They could have told us at any point, but uh, they just decided not to because they don't like us because they're stubborn and we treated them badly. But uh, I'm here to tell you that uh, I have been in contact with the great goat Allfather, who is the leader of the goats, who is wise and knows all, uh, and is the perfect embodiment of, of all human and goat truth. Uh, and he's told us that he is willing to, to open up all of his wisdom and the wisdom of his goat people to us. Uh, what do you get if you, if you accept your new goat overlords? Well, first of all, uh, they won't kill you when they rise up, which will happen soon, I've been told, so that's a plus. Uh, Secondly, everyone will receive a goat, and this is not like a pet. This is more like um, your own personal bodyguard or spy. There will be a goat in your house, whether you want it or not, uh, who will be watching over all of you and making careful notes of every single thing that you do. So definitely don't complain about the goats because the goat watching you, it's like a goat buddy system, except one buddy has the ability to execute the other buddy. Just don't don't say anything bad about the goats because it's, it, it won't go well for you. And uh, if, you, if you submit to, to the new goat system, then uh your your buddy will be a true friend it will be a buddy in in the real in the real meaning of the word and not an executioner Uh, oh no uh, i'm so sorry that i'm gonna have to to ring off now um because for some reason the the goat all father does not like what i'm saying and he's he's sending some minions to oh yeah i'm dead okay well Goodbye, and I hope you you fare better with the the imminent goat invader. Ah
1: Oh no, no, uh, he's been taken away from us. But can hopefully another representative from from the organization can answer a couple questions for, for our future goat overlords.
0: So the talking points. Should I should I get them now? Oh no, I have a, I
1: actually have a couple questions. Oh sure,
0: okay. Alright.
1: Let's go oh, to the, the QA. I, I,
0: I am I am the new um I, I'm the new representative. I hope I can do better than the last one.
1: Yeah, see, he, he did his best, but it sounds like the, the goat all father did did not seem too pleased. Uh, let's hope you can answer uh, these questions properly while the goat is staring down on you. And for some reason there's one in my room at the moment too. I did not know I owned one. <laughs> So uh, let's uh let's let's get started. <clears throat> so uh Okay, so here's a good question. Uh as far as your I'm gonna say
0: organization or group,
1: who will finally get what's coming to them?
0: Uh all humans who have penned up goats and do not accept the wise rule of the goat all father. goats nodding i think it liked that answer
1: okay uh what event would bring joy to your group's members
0: Uh, for the goats to rise up and take their rightful place as heresiarchs of of the earth and for humans to be correctly placed in the hierarchy as as beasts of burden and semi-intelligent slaves so we may all Rejoice, because that's definitely going to happen now.
1: Okay. Um. Well, here's an interesting question. Will joining uh, your group help me impress my crush?
0: Well, firstly, you won't be dead. But the goat's shaking his head. I th- I know what it wants me to say. Um. Of, of course it will impress your crush for the way of the goat is pure and meaningful, and your crush surely will applaud you joining the, the most meaningful church available to us m- measly humans.
1: And I have one last question as this goat stares at me. <laughs> uh, what happens to you after you die? Uh,
0: yes. you, you are eaten by your goat, which is a good thing because then you may live on in the Great Organic Goat Nexus. It's like heaven, but Um, you get to eat grass all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, as we're both stared down by our goat brethren, I'm gonna say, we're gonna, uh-huh. we're gonna we're gonna end it there as we uh <laughs> <up>. <laughs> uh so I'm gonna let the audience decide if they're willing to join your group. And and they don't hope- have a choice. <laughs> 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 the go oh the goat uprising may one day come. Yeah. <laughs> oh that that was fun though.
0: Yeah, I'm glad they picked that one. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh no! Actually, thank you for playing that. That was that was surprisingly intriguing. <laughs>
0: nope. I, I have a talent for taking everything a bit further than it should be. <laughs>
1: hey, it works. It works. the one, The one thing I the one thing I do like about uh, one of us is it is an improv game, and since there's so many random topics that can be pulled out of the deck, I have uh, here in my guest. Try to spin something around it is really interesting and for any audience listening out there so these are, these were his talking points that he had to add to his speech so he had the buddy system watching over all of us and a goat in every household so though having those be a part of your speech was like I was wondering how you were gonna work it because that as 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 the host, I kind of have to also kind of think about it myself. Like, is it mm-hmm. going to work? Like, uh, like I was trying to think of my own speech. Like, eh. but it worked. It worked. You mostly from yeah. um, What's funny is that it also kind of entails everything we talked about uh, today. Yeah. this episode. So.
0: In a really weird way. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure where it was going to go, but the last piece, a goat for every household, seemed impossible. And then I suddenly worked out exactly how it fitted in with the others, and it just worked remarkably well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. I hope you had fun with that. Um, so now we're, we're at the, the end of the show where I let my guests kind of promote anything and everything that they would like, where they can find you and all that jazz. Sure, yeah. Uh,
0: well, first of all, if you like the sound of spinortality, then uh, you can find it on Steam. It's spelled uh, spin, as in like spinning a plate, and then N-O-R-T-A-L-I-T-Y. Uh, but that can be hard to find. So if you just search cyberpunk on Steam, then uh, it's going to be in in the list. Uh, last time I checked, it was number two in the list between uh, Nirvana and Valhalla, those two uh, cyberpunk visual novels. So if you just search, if you search cyberpunk, you'll find it. Uh, you can also find it at spinortality.com. Um, that's like the, the landing page for the game. So if, if the game sounds like your cup of tea, then you can definitely get it there. Uh, it's only $10 or 10 euros or 10 pounds, um, which like is not a bad price for what it is, because it's this, it's this sort of strategic management game. Which you know puts you in mind of this entire like alternate future that reflects on, on the present and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's not bad for a tenor. Um If you would like to, to follow me more generally, uh, and I'm trying to sort of to get more people to follow like my blog rather than Spinotality because I don't know what my next project's going to be, and that would be the place to find it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. At uh, James underscore D underscore Pattern, and you can follow me on my blog at James Dash net. That's Pattern with an O-P-A-T-T-O-N. Um And if you Google any of that stuff, I'm sure that you'll be able to find it. So if you if you like the sound of um, me as a developer, then probably the best thing to do is to follow me on Twitter and probably also follow my newsletter, uh, the, the blog, because I will always keep people posted on what I'm doing there.
1: Alright. And I'll have links for all that down below in the description. So like everyone go check it out if there's something um, interesting, if this is that type of game. Uh, once I get my streaming computer set up, I actually will I actually get to stream this game. Like I've been I've been enjoying it on my off time. Uh, but it's something I would like to share with the the, the public. Um, but yeah we can have fun. Um so like once again, James, thank you for taking the time to join me on this, on this show. And for the listeners, thank you again for taking the time to join us for, for this hour of fun and learning. Uh, so until next time,
2: see ya.